Hello and welcome to this new edition of the Fuji podcast. Today we are traveling to England for the Manchester Jug. Welcome to the Fuji podcast, all your news about OpenJDK. In this podcast, we introduce a new topic. From now on, we will once per month fly around the world virtually to meet the people who organize Java user groups. Hi, my name is Jonathan Bullock. I'm a full stack developer at Aparito, a health tech company. And I'm a co-organizer of the Manchester Java community. Hi, I'm Nick Evan. Um, I'm a software engineer working within the finance sector. Um, I'm involved in the Manchester Java community as a leader. Um, happy to be here. And I'm Frank Laporte, technical writer at Azul, with a very big interest in how jugs are organized and what they actually do. Let's go back to the start of the Manchester Jug. How did it start? It's, it's coming up to nearly 10 years since the Manchester Java community started. And myself, I've only been involved for about five years and maybe Jonathan around the same or a little bit less. I think I started getting uh, attending events around 2017 after I checked um, my notes. <laughs> um, when I joined, I, I spoke to, at the time, who was the leader. It was a lady called Alison McGreevy and another lady called Debbie Roycroft. And I think this was in 2013, um, I think they you know, just realised that there was a lack of a community in Manchester around Java specifically. So they took it upon themselves to create one. And I think there were four people at the first meetup. But I think over the months that kind of quite rapidly started to increase. And um, eventually, you know, they grew a really kind of vibrant community within Manchester. And obviously, it continues today. And what was the reason for you to join the organisation itself to start organising this jug? It came about, it was it was funny actually, it came about, you know, I think it was in 2017. Um, Heinz Kibbutz, if you've if you've heard of him, he came over to Manchester to the company I was working at and delivered a training course. And as part of that, I managed to arrange for him to speak at the Manchester Java community. He did a great session all around concurrency. And um I'd already been going to a few of the events now and again, but this kind of this kind of key event with Heinz involved, it just kind of sparked my enthusiasm and my motivation to maybe take that kind of interest of just being attendee a little bit further. Um, I was quite fortunate that I got an invite to jQuery that next year, which is uh, the young conference that Heinz runs in um, in Crete where he lives. So I went out to there and I came back from there, like just completely inspired by kind of communities and decided, right, I need to do something more about this um, and thought about, right, what can I do? First thing I did was I decided to do a talk at the Manchester Java community. So I did that talk. It went reasonably well, just a short lightning talk. But on the back of that, Alison, who was one of the you know, key, key leaders at that time, um, came and spoke to me, gave me a bit of feedback and asked if I'd be interested in getting a bit more involved. So for me, that was like, yeah, definitely straight away got involved and uh, yeah, kind of started there just by helping out in and around the events and um, you know doing a bit of introducing and that kind of thing to start with. Same for you, Jonathan. How did you start? Uh... I think it's interesting what Nick said then. Uh, every time I'd come to an, uh, a Manchester Java community event, I'd always leave feeling very inspired and re-energized. Um, and it, I'd been thinking about how the Java community, are, how I'd benefited so much from it and uh, throughout my professional career. And I felt like I wanted to do something to give back to the community. So... I suppose this is being involved in the local Manchester community is my way of paying it forward, I guess. How many sessions do you do per year? Pre, uh, Pre-COVID times, we were had a pretty regular kind of 
pattern of one per month. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, at that time, they were pretty much all in person. I think through the last couple of years, it's gone a bit more ad hoc and because there's a lot more flexibility around times and people being available. I'd say we we still kind of kept probably on average about one per month, I would say. Mm-hmm. Do you think Jobs is that about right? Yeah, that's about right. Sometimes more, sometimes less. And is it a big community? In terms of meetup kind of membership, we, we're looking at about 1,400, 1,500 people. Um, as as everybody knows, that doesn't equate to active members. Um, so I think in, like, in reality, if we were to look at attendees of um, meetups on that monthly basis, we, we range really, and it kind of depends on the topic, but we, we usually get between 10 and up to like 40, 50 people. Sometimes, you know, often it's around the middle, but, you know, so I'd say like, yeah, a bit of a range, but 30, 40 people is probably the average. Yeah, it's, it's funny if you see Twitter pictures of, of Jugs, it's always a very different amount of people joining. Sometimes yeah. it can be a very hard topic, I guess, with only 10 or 20 people. And then the popular topics where there are a lot of uh, more people joining. Eh? Um, and what is the format that you use? Is it one or two speakers? Is it a fixed uh, format? So it, I think that's been a bit of variety, really. Um, I think when we were doing a lot of in-person meetups early on, we, we tried to do like a lightning talk coupled with a longer talk. Uh, so that would usually be two. Once, once we kind of went more remote over the past couple of years, it's pretty much just been the one talk um, for that for that whole session. Um, the night, I suppose one of the kind of nice things about going to that more remote nature is that that allowed us to start creating content that we could share on our YouTube channel. So that's something we'd never really kind of been able to, well, we probably could have done it previously, but we'd never really, it's never been as easy to do, you know, because you have to have that kind of more audio visual kind of mm-hmm. skill, set something up for an in-person meeting to record it and then publish it. But once, you know, Zoom just makes that really easy just to hit the record button, get some content, do some minor editing, and then, yeah, publish it to our community. I think if people are interested in in starting a jack, I think it's a learning curve, I guess. Starting from your first event and having only a few visitors, I suppose, to having really a big community around you. Sometimes it doesn't matter how many people turn up to those events, so I wouldn't let numbers put you off. Sometimes, you know, the best events I've been to where there are only a few people and you have some great conversations at those events. Um, it doesn't always have to be, or it doesn't, you know, the number of people doesn't define the success of mm-hmm. an event sometimes. I think that's important to remember if you're starting out um, on this road. Yeah, I love the ethos from the the, the open spaces or conference kind of scene where, you know, the people who turn up are the right people. You know, whatever happens, happens. And I think we've, we've kind of embraced that a lot with the events that we run. We try not to get too stressed or worry about, you know, are there, are there going to be a lot of people there or not? We just kind of, we go, we have fun, we learn. And yeah, like I think what you find is if you've got five people there, they're usually the five most enthusiastic people who could be there. So it just works, so which is great for us. Yeah, and as I heard most of the times the drink afterwards could be more important than the talk itself that's true that's That's very true can you remember the most remarkable session for you could be the one that where everything went wrong (laughs) Uh, i think the most remarkable for me that i attended was probably when josh long visited us um and he talked and did demos for i want to say close to three hours it was definitely our longest talk I've ever attended. But and the only reason he had to stop was because the building wanted to close. 
um, and the security had to literally kick us out. But he could have carried on and on and on. And everyone, nobody wanted to leave. You know, it was um, it was definitely a unique experience. I felt really awkward, like because I was the one there, just kind of trying to get his attention with my hand, saying, "You know, they're trying to kick us out here. We need to, we need to leave." But um, yeah, no, I agree. That that was a great event. That was a great event. Um, I think from my perspective, one that like it, this was a speaker who had kind of I've always watched their talks, and it's Venkat. Uh, so Venkat Superman, um, he like we managed. He was, I think, he was. Um, consulting at a local company and so we managed to get really lucky that he was in the area and we got him on to speak i just remember the the first thing he did was he walked into the room kicked off his shoes started his presentation just walking up and down like with his with his socks on you know making himself right at home really and you know it was just he's such an engaging speaker and just to see him in person and and like get to know him that little bit and just learn a bit more about him as a person rather than this kind of rock star let's say was really good yeah i've seen both of them just recently at devox in belgium and i'm really wondering what these people are eating and drinking they have so much <laughs> energy they have <laughs> also the, the ease of use how they dare to do live programming and, and stuff like that but yeah it's also a matter of, of experience i guess it's a lot of skill a lot of practice no doubt um but yeah they're obviously there's some natural ability there i think that they've just got that not everybody has now th these are the top-notch speakers the, yeah. the, the creme de la creme as they would say in france um <laughs> uh, do you have some kind of like in in the, the netherlands they have this program uh, that they organize uh, from the uh, nljuk to guide new speakers uh something you have done this is a i suppose a bit of a, a topic for me which i think we have not done great at over the past few years and you know there's, there's kind of different reasons for that so so pre pre-covid and maybe a couple of years before that we we did pretty well with the local community of getting even like myself for example you know giving people opportunities getting them involved maybe that's like the lightning speaker slots you know and get a new speaker involved and helping them giving them maybe a little bit of coaching here and there to get them to that level of having enough confidence and about their presentations and things but yeah over the last few years i think time is is it been a big thing with, with us as a community like lots lots has been going on and being able to kind of put on events but then also do the other bits and pieces around the edges that really give back to the local community i feel like we've kind of lost that a little bit over the last two or three years and it's it's something that i think is really important and i think jonathan touched on it before around paying it forward like for us as leaders of the community it's it's up to us to kind of really get out there speak to the local community you know try and get people involved in different ways um so 2023 is the year of reconnecting with manchester as a community i think covid and remote meetups have taken us just naturally taken us away from that connection to manchester it's become more of a we'll, we'll do events we'll put them on youtube and it's more of a global audience but i think for me personally making it a manchester thing again and really kind of getting the manchester back into the java community is is what it's about for next year mm -hmm. yeah those those after event talks are, are some of the best you know uh, some of the best things that happen at an event for me um you know where you have a random conversation with somebody you've never met before and uh, it, you really connect with somebody and i think that's something that i definitely lost or missed when we went um 
to doing online only events through the pandemic and that's something i'm eager to get back to as much as possible we tried a few times didn't we with like extending the online kind of meet up by maybe 20 minutes for I suppose more of a, a little bit of networking, but I think the problem with the, with a, a video call is that you've always got the focus of one person who's talking. Like you can't have branch, you, know, you can do breakout rooms and things like that, but it's not as easy to create that natural branching out of different conversations and people just mixing. So yeah, I think like as good as you know, you can you can get it to a certain level of quality in terms of online, but you just never get that real kind of authentic feeling of it being a you know that in-person kind of style meetup. There's definitely a pre and a post COVID area here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to do jugs just before COVID started. Uh, the COVID gave me the opportunity to talk virtually around the world. That's something that would probably not have happened otherwise, but yeah, being in person and virtually it's, it's a major difference. Eh? Yeah, that that's definitely true, and, and it's not to say that um, you know through the pandemic um, we've had some uh, speakers that gave talks for us that we wouldn't have ne- necessarily had over because they weren't in Manchester for a specific um, professional reason, and we, that we could maybe piggyback on, as Nick said about Venkat. Um, so it has opened up doors to having some other speakers on at the jug who've been able to. Um, give a talk that we wouldn't necessarily have had so there are some benefits in that mm-hmm. um there's a a desire to get to build that community again build that local community which is where it originally started i don't think we'll like stop doing the online events but i think we'll kind of aim to choose online or virtual sessions that are a bit more unique so what we found is that you can you can get the speakers who are doing the conference circuit and you can get their talks but every other kind of community is getting the same talk so it feels a bit i suppose flooded in terms of the same content being out there and being kind of re republished right every few weeks when this and you know that's great for the speaker um, but i think for us as a community we want to kind of have our content to be a little bit more unique so we started doing a few things through um through covid where I suppose the sessions were a bit more like Q&A based. So we get a speaker on, we had Ron Pressler on, who came on quite early in, I suppose, obviously Loom's still something that, Project Loom's still something that's kind of in progress. And uh, But he came on probably about a year or so ago and he was talking about the progress of projects. So that was kind of a, a really good, con- I think Jonathan hosted that. That was a conversation between Jonathan and Ron talking about the project and really learning a bit more of the details. So that was really positive. I think we've had like similar kind of form. We had James Goff on uh, early in 2020, similar kind of structure. So I think for me that that's the kind of event where I think it, it's a bit, I suppose, a bit more like a podcast like this, where you're having a conversation, you're learning a lot about the person as well as the projects that they work on. I think that gives it that interesting, slightly different take, which um, I think is quite nice. If you have local speakers. Do they talk about a certain technology or, for instance, how they solve the specific problem in their company or in the project that they are working on? I suppose it's a good question because it comes back to, I suppose, maybe our lack of um, ability to get local speakers on over the or in recent times. Um, but, yeah, I think like if I was to think back to most of the local speakers that we've we've had on have been sharing their experiences within their, you know, I suppose maybe it's within their work environment, working on specific problems. Um, I think it's quite 
I quite like those kind of ex- more like experience reports, let's say, rather than here's a here's a here's a product and I'll show you how it works. This is like here's a product and this is what I learned from using it, or this is how you know I experienced a specific kind of situation. Um, I think for the for the kind of local speakers, I think something that's worked really well in the past we've done um, lightning talk events where every single talk is a lightning talk and we do like five and ten minutes. And we don't always stick, you know, we don't necessarily stick to Java as being the theme. Um, and I think that creates a good diverse um, set of talks, to be honest, because you'll get, maybe you'll get somebody talking a little bit about Agile. I remember we had somebody on talking about their apprenticeship with a company and what they learned from being an apprentice and why other people should do the same thing. But then, yeah, you have some really good technical Java talks mixed in there as well, and it it makes for a really good event, in my opinion. Yeah, something I learned in DevOps was people telling me, yeah, I am a Java developer. I'm already doing this for years, but it's only now that I learn about Project Loom or, or all this new stuff that's happening in Java 15, 16, 17. We are still stuck <laughs> 8 or 11. Um, so yeah, it's, for some programmers who are really focusing on the job, Coming yeah. to this kind of talk, they can really, oh, I didn't know that this already existed. I mean, that's that's interesting thing because I've thought about this a few times. So I, I've recently joined an organization that is pretty pretty large, you know, talking like 10,000 engineers. And what, what you find is that inside these organizations, sometimes, like especially like more junior people, it's all they know is what their company does, not necessarily what you could do outside of that company. And that's where I think we fit in, isn't it, as a community and different things like DevOps conferences. It's, it's almost like showcasing what you could do rather than being kind of opening, helping people open their minds a little bit to the options and the potential that's out there. One other area that I've maybe uh, over the past few years I've, I've come to appreciate when I've been um, seeing other people's talks is talks on maybe not that, you know, hardcore technical aspects, but maybe on soft skills, how to improve uh, maybe presentation skills, uh, given talks. Some of those talks I've found um, are just as valuable to me professionally um, as the latest and greatest Java framework or Java library. Um, And I do find them quite interesting. So we've had a couple of talks on uh, talks given where somebody's, you know, how to improve yourself generally, um, which can be, you know, just as good as any any other talk. Yeah, also, a question I heard was, yeah, improving yourself, but then also on very deep, specific topics of Java. Huh? I'm doing this or this, like database stuff, huh? uh, that you can really get some insights in. How does this actually work? Huh? If you use this code, what does it do behind the scenes? And some people are also really interested in this yeah, deep dive technical stuff, but I'm not sure that that will attract a lot of people. And that's probably something, yeah, you have to fight against. Uh, is this a good idea for a jerk if not a lot of people show up or combine it with a popular talk, maybe? It's something interesting. We've, over the past maybe couple of years, noticed that there is a definite desire, at least within our community, um, for almost a desire for core Java talks. So one of the um, we- most well-attended events we had over the past 18 months was a talk on Java streams. So it's a very, very specific area of Java, but that had one of the best attendance 
um, rates we've had. So there's obviously a desire there for some core Java to be talked about in more detail. Yeah, I think one of the challenges I've found like with with planning the events is trying. You've almost got to think for try and think what other people might want to see rather than yourself. I, I remember, um, I think it was around the beginning of 20, 2020. Obviously, everything was going crazy in the world. And um, from a leadership perspective, it, it literally, became, at the point, it literally became just me as the only person organising. And I, I realised that, well, we I wanted to keep the Manchester community kind of going. So we had like this kind of heartbeat while everything was locked down. We wanted to keep something there just to keep the community going. But I realised that with just me thinking about these things, there's a couple of problems there. I'd be a single point of failure for the community. So if something happened to me, the community would stop. But also, like my ability to kind of, I suppose, think more diversely and, you know, is limited, obviously. So I made it a, a really kind of key objective for, I suppose, that first few months of lockdown to try and start to think about how we could, you know, go away from it just being me and expand it out to a, a wider leadership team. So we started doing um, what, we, well, I think the first thing I did was I set up a, an event called a community discussion. So this was an online um, session that we we published onto our YouTube channel. There was an opportunity for anybody to join who was interested in the Java community and just start, you know, to start off with it, just let's have a chat, think about what people want, try and get some new ideas. And my kind of ulterior motive there was to actually get other people to help organize the events. And quite fortunately, Jonathan came to that. And then there's a couple of other people as well. There's um, Craig McDonald and um, David Underwood, who are two other leaders of the community. So they, they've got involved. Now, I would say we're not very diverse yet as a leadership kind of team, but at least we've got four different people now are helping to kind of organise things and helping to think about the content that we produce. Um, but we're still, I think we need to kind of push that even further and really kind of think about trying to make that leadership team more diverse, getting more people involved who want to contribute um, from different backgrounds, different, you know, whatever it may be. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think only then will we start to really kind of tick the boxes around creating content for different types of people rather than just, you know, maybe the more senior kind of engineer level where, you know, I might be really interested in something deep and technical, but actually for somebody just starting out in the career, that's way too far. They just they want that one on one in kind of maybe a Java topic that gets them off the ground and gets them really kind of motivated and interested. Mm-hmm. Talking about diverse, how is this between your visitors? Male, female, young, old? Yeah, I would I'd say predominantly male. Um, probably quite reflective of the the industry, I suppose. In, as it okay. is, to be honest, I say predominantly male. We do we do have. Um, we do get some female kind of people involved in attendees and um but yeah it, it's something that something that we don't do a great job of in terms of like that diverse attendance we, we definitely get a diverse i'd say we get diversity in terms of age and kind of all, all kind of seniors so we probably get diversity in terms of backgrounds or ethnicity and things like that but the gender kind of point mm-hmm. Is a bit more, yeah, we don't do a great job of that, yeah. the honest thing. But what I hear about Java being popular with younger developers, that's also something we should, as a community, probably work on. Uh, but it also depends on, on, on education and what, what uh, the universities are using as a language. 
uh, is definitely a topic. From what I understand, there's there's quite a bit of focus on that, isn't there? Currently in the in the Java, I suppose I've seen seen some things. I think it might be Brian Goetz with a, a focus on trying to make it easier for you know people to just write simple programs without the overhead of of the class know, and the mean and yes, class, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it sounds like a great kind of initiative, and yeah. hopefully that puts Java in a place where universities think ah. That is a good option here because our developers or our students can get up and running really quickly. Mm-hmm. I love Gbang in that way. It also helps you to run simple Java yeah. as one file. Yeah, there are some nice evolutions. And indeed, yeah, I guess that's what jugs are also meant for, eh? uh, spreading the yeah. love for Java. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like getting back to in person, I think that's something hopefully we can... Like in the past, we've done kind of workshop-style events where we've been like hands-on. Everyone brings a laptop and we do catters and stuff. For me, that's like one of they're some of the best events because you really kind of interact with people. You really talk and and work together to solve problems. So hopefully, we can uh, get some of those back in place next year as well. Do you have a fixed uh, location for for your jug? We've been quite lucky that we've got uh, a number of companies in the Manchester area that are willing to make their office space available to us. Um, and thankfully that's been, um, that's continued on after the uh, the COVID pandemic has kind of got uh, back to normal. Um, so we've still, we've still got a good selection of companies who are willing to host events for us around the Manchester area. Mm-hmm. How do you arrange that? Is, is, such a company the host of the evening or do they also give a talk i think that kind of depends some sometimes um it's, they're just hosts you know they they kind of offer their space and i think obviously the this the nice benefit they get if they've got you know usually they've got really nice space people come in and see it and think oh this is this is a nice place maybe i could work there one day and, and that's the kind of benefit they get sometimes they have speakers who who would kind of say things but that's not not always the case and Usually it's just it just depends on the on the company really. We we spent a long time just at one company where we kind of did events there every single month, and that was it was good because it was convenient and it was consistent. Um, I think since obviously since COVID, we haven't got that kind of one place anymore. But I think the nice thing about that is now we can have a bit of a, there's a bit of variety there. It takes a bit more management though from the leadership team, so that's the trade off there. We, we kind of sacrifice a bit of simplicity, uh, but we also get lots more kind of variety and maybe more diversity through moving around a bit and trying out kind of different spaces. As being the organizer of the Jack, how much effort does this take you? Is this not a full-time job, but is this a job? Do you consider it as a job to be done? Closer to an event, the amount of work ramps up. Um, so, you know, there are, as we've just discussed, some events, some hosts, they're great in just taking care of providing uh, maybe drinks and food for the event. And that's a great help when they take that off your plate. In person, there is a little bit more logistical uh, jobs that need to be done. Uh, you know, they're obviously online events. Um, it was a case of creating an event in Zoom and publish on Meetup and then everybody turns up or they don't. Um so there, there is there is an element of work, but we try to, as Nick said earlier, we try to you know share the work out, you know share the load between the uh, team that's you know trying to organise these events, whatever possible. I suppose what comes with being involved in a job is that sense of responsibility. 
So like some sometimes things are kind of easy and they just happen. But when maybe when they're not going so smoothly, you do feel responsible and you kind of have to then just put in that extra bit of time. And like for myself, and I think for I'd speak for probably Jonathan and the other two people involved as well. This is something we do on the side of a you know a nine to five day job as well. So it does. It, sometimes it can take you know a few hours a week out of your your personal time, and then if you've got you know children and other commitments that are on the side, it can get a bit busy at times. But I think the payback you get is when obviously you're at you're at that event, that in person event, or that virtual one, and you get good attendance. You see people happy and giving you good feedback, and it's kind of all worthwhile after that. So you you kind of accept a bit of a bit of stress, a bit of kind of busyness at times. Um, but it's all worth it I think in the end you forget about all those headaches at the end you do you do for me there's like just being involved in communities you get so much more out of it than you put in anyway just through the general yeah you you obviously you get the feeling of satisfaction that you're helping a community so I think that's good first and foremost but for me it just creates more opportunity as well and that kind of makes you more busy sometimes again even further but you know, usually they're good opportunities. They're, they're opportunities that help you kind of grow your, you know, your personal kind of life in terms of your career and things like that. So, yeah, I, I'm not trying to sell communities, but if, if I was going to say something to anybody, I'd say you know, get involved in them and see what you know, put you know, put a bit in, and you'll get a lot out. That's for sure. Yeah, that's also what you see with the speakers at these big, big conferences. They start at that joke most of the times, yeah. doing yeah. local talks and. I think that's a very good thing to get into the community, get experienced in talking and, and standing in front of an audience. Yeah. Um, if someone is interested in the Manchester Jerk itself, so how do they subscribe? How do they follow you? We're on Twitter. Um, we are MCR Java on Twitter, MCR for Manchester. Um, we're, we've got YouTube channel, so that's Manchester Java Community on YouTube. And we're on Meetup, so you'll find us on Meetup as well. I think those are probably the three key places you would find us. Okay, and we'll add all these links to the show notes uh, with this podcast that people can easily find them. Next to the jug itself, do you organize something else around this? I think it was back in 2018, we decided to run a, an unconference style event. Um, so that we, we gave that the name J Mank. So Mank, short for Manchester. Um, and yeah, we I think the first event we, we did, we did it on a, a weekend, we did it on a Saturday, and we got about 40 or 50 people. And it was just for me, it was just an amazing kind of amazing day. Um everybody who was there was so enthusiastic and engaged. We were there on conference, it, you know, the content is you know created on the day. So it, it was like lots of great ideas. We had a full day full of sessions of different kinds of kind of content different groups breaking out talking about things and that's something then we we decided to take forward so we ran it again in 2019 um again you know good turnout great success and then obviously we keep coming back to this problem of covid don't we but obviously everything stopped uh, for a while um so this year Back in probably about three or four months ago now, we thought, right, is, is it the right time to bring J-Mank back? So we decided to give it a go. And we we planned to run the event on October the 22nd. Um, so we did, we kind of got everything up and running in terms of like marketing, promoting it and trying to get the word out. 
But what we found was that it came to about like a week or two before the event was going to happen. And we didn't really have that many people registered. So we had to kind of really think about, do we do we just go ahead um, or not? And we decided because there were a few different kind of people who were, or companies who were helping us. They had, we're going to have financial commitments at some point pretty soon. We decided that for whatever reason, the timing wasn't right. And we think there's probably a number of factors to that. Um, in Manchester specifically, there was some other events going on. But yeah, we, we couldn't really put our finger on the exact reason. Maybe it was because it was on a Saturday and people had now decided that weekdays were a better time in. Um, so we decided to say, right, let's just admit, admit defeat this time. But um, let's have a think about maybe bringing it back again in 2023. So what's really kind of cool is that through kind of coming onto this podcast, uh, I looked back to when exactly the first event was, and it was in May 2013. So actually, next year is our 10-year anniversary. So what better timing to bring back Jay Mank? Um, I think, you know, roughly last the timings we've run it in the past have been, you know, May, June time. So again, you know, almost kind of landing exactly on when um, our 10-year birthday would be. So, yeah, watch this space. But I think that's something we're going to start talking about fairly soon and maybe kind of, start to get some plans in place early like next year so we can give ourselves a really good amount of time to promote it and let people know it's happening make sure we avoid any clashes with other events and get the i know it's a bit of it it's always a bit of an experiment it's hard to know what kind of engagement we'll get but hopefully we can make a success of it next year and one of the things we're also going to try and do is in the meantime is try and get that in-person events really going again um, build up that community engagement that we had prior to the aforementioned COVID pandemic again, you know, when um, we were able to run JMank a couple of times. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like, so may, maybe that is another factor that we have lost that connection. You know, in that three years, there's been a lot more, you know, probably hundreds, thousands of new engineers have either started working in Manchester or just started working in general, come out of university and things. So like maybe they don't even know who we are because we've not been in person in Manchester. So yeah, finding that connection again, hopefully will help us then establish that core community that will attend something like JMunk going forward. Yeah, there's definitely a few years that are totally lost in this yeah. community and in person stuff that yeah needs a new build up, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's not com a complete reset, but there is an element of um, starting again a little bit and thinking about what was what was unique about us as a community that kind of differentiates us from just being an online event that publishes kind of content on YouTube. Um, so yeah, that's the challenge. Well, it's a nice challenge and it sounds like a perfect birthday party. <laughs> yeah. If you can launch that again in the beginning of next year. Conference will not get started yet, so... I think it should be easy to find a time slot, which is... Uh, yeah, I think that was another factor, wasn't it? I think like autumn, like October, November is conference season from what I understand as well. So I think Java 1 was happening. Like, it was huge. I, I was at DevOps uh, in, in Antwerp and then you had Java 1 the week after and there was another conference at the same time also in the US. So a lot of speakers really had to choose their battles you know, where, where they were focusing on. Yeah, everyone wanted to restart this conference at the same time. Everybody's got the same desire as yeah. us. Everyone yeah. wanted, wanted to have his event back. Uh, yeah. 
And and now just practically, how do you organize this? You you said before you had a community call to involve more people. How do you do this practically? How do you organize this? Uh, I think Nick initiated um, again back at the start of the COVID pandemic was to try and open up the organization of the jug. Um, so we do try to do everything in public. So we have a, a GitHub project board for the jug where we try to uh, come up with ideas for new talks or uh, to track um, where we're up to in arranging events, maybe uh, liaising with a, a speaker, um, getting a date in mind, arranging a venue. So we try to try to encourage anybody else, you know, if they have any ideas about or they, they themselves would like to talk, you know, that GitHub board is open for them to utilise. Um, and we've tried to, again, as Nick said earlier, um, we try to host community discussions where we are very open about discussing about what we need to do, what's happening, um, what's in the pipeline for talks. Have we got any ideas, any other initiatives we'd like to maybe look at trying to do? We Again, we do this in our spare time. Um, so it's, you know, as much as, as where we can get as much help as we can is is always going to be a bonus for us. Um, but that's how we try to organize events. We're definitely great with ideas. It always comes down to the execution and having the time to actually do them where we we sometimes kind of struggle. But I think we've always got things that like we want to do. So this is, I suppose, kind of a call to kind of the community, really, like people with the Manchester community or even, even a little bit wider, you know, if you'd like to get involved in, in a community and, and help we will find ways that we can kind of make that so nice call to everyone listening and from manchester please join yeah. at, at least a, a session and uh, maybe more eh? okay yeah. Yeah. we'll also add the link to this uh, github project uh, that sounds cool. good so you are the, the manchester jug or you're really manchester only or how do you do this with the rest of england yeah so i I mean, yeah, we are we are Manchester only, but we do work closely with the other communities within the UK. So um, the London Java community, who was founded by Barry Cranford, like quite a good few years ago, they you know they're great. You know they provide us so much support. They help us out with different things like our meetup kind of fees and things like that, which we really appreciate. Um, and then there's the Dublin Jug. So a guy called uh, Barry Allister, he helps organise that. And again, they. They, I suppose our relation with Dublin is they often get rock star speakers over. I don't know how they do it, but they, they're always getting great speakers. But what they, they try to do is include us in that and do try and organize like mini tours of the UK. So speakers, when they come over, especially if they've traveled a long way, it's not just for that one one event. They can tie in a trip to Manchester. They can also go to London and do a few other things at the same time. I think that's that's pretty cool that, you know, amongst not just you know manchester but throughout the uk we can all work together we're not you know it's not about we're not competing we're all part of this one bigger community where we all help each other um help each other succeed ultimately and uh, work together to create a better as well as java ecosystem for everybody yeah one of the big benefits of the java community it's really open and everyone wants to cooperate and make the best of what is available eh? definitely yeah, sure Okay, uh, thanks a lot. Thanks for joining me virtually in this trip around the world from Jug to Jug. Uh, we'll see where we end up next month. Uh, thanks for listening and see you next time. Give me a food.
Give me a J. Give me the friends of OpenJDK.